You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. Today's lesson is Principles for Effective Workplace Management taught by Mrs. Lisa Stoner. Mrs. Stoner has been serving as the office manager for Lancaster Baptist Church for over 18 years. We hope this session will be a help to you. My theme verse for our support staff here um, is Joshua 1.8, and it's, it's, I think it's in your notes. But Joshua 1.8 says, This book is the law, this book of the law, I'm sorry, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. And the, the, the concept there, the phrase that I want to pull out of there is observe to do. And that's my goal here. To observe and then do. We're, we're good at observing, but do we do? And as, as managers, particularly when we are given an oversight role, um, there's a lot to do and a lot that we see that needs to be acted upon. I try to have the philosophy, if I saw it, if God let me see it, then I get to take care of it. may not be my area. may not be your area. Maybe someone else's area. And I may have somebody who's, you know, may it bring it to the attention of somebody whose area it is. But if I saw it and I observed it, then, I, then that's my cue to do something about it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, management in the church office. Um, just like leadership, management, you can have, there's lots of definitions of what's the difference between management and leadership, and, and you could, you know, split hairs about that, look them up in the dictionary and all those things. But leadership, management, it's all about influence. If you can't, if your, your influence is what gives you entrance into people's lives, okay? We lead by influence, not position, power, or leverage. If your goal is to influence and help your staff, um, you have to have, you have to have, um, entrance in their lives. They have to let you in. You can't force yourself in if you're going to help your, your staff. I, look, I love this definition of influence. To affect by gentle action. To affect by gentle action. It's a great definition of influence. Um, influence is earned and it's given to you by leadership. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit today about management, too. And a definition of management that, that applies to what we're doing today is to direct or control or to handle. And always with the staff, we need to handle with care and gently with our managing our influence. Now, as a role as a manager or a leader amongst your staff, that may not be um, a, a role you relish. Some people like leadership. Some people don't. But... If it's a role that your pastor has asked you to fill, I encourage you to embrace it, to own it. Um, I tell our staff all the time, our secretaries all the time, you may not want to be a leader, but just the fact that you're in this room means you are. You can't run from it. Accept it. Embrace it. Learn it. Own it. Grow. 
challenge yourself to do better in it, um, but embrace it. Just accept it. You may not like, you may not think you're worthy to be a leader. You may not think your family's worthy to be in a leadership role in your church, whatever. Your kids aren't perfect. My kids aren't perfect. That doesn't mean you can't be a leader amongst your staff. But you, have, you, can't, just hide, you can't hide it because you just are. People are looking at you whether you like it or not. They are. So accept it. Okay. Um, first, uh, my last introductory, well, it's not my last. Another introductory thought is that influence management... Influencing others is a matter of disposition, not position. Okay, your disposition, it's just like influence gives you entrance in people's lives. Your disposition, your countenance, your attitude, your spirit is what uh, allows you to stay around people. If they don't like you, they're not going to come to you with your questions. (laughs) Their questions. But you need to be likable, which means you need to first manage yourself. Manage your spirit. Proverbs 16.32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.31, I die daily. My ma- in, a, in a role, in a management role, in a supervisory role, um, it's about helping others, not necessarily about me. I die daily. Um, Another thought about being a manager, which is what I already said in, in, in the context of observe to do, um, being in the church office management role means that you have to see the need and take the lead. That's a saying we have here, see the need and take the lead. No matter the area, no matter the day or time, you'll be forever solving problems, answering questions, and involved in things that aren't yours. It's just like being a mom. <laughs> um, Colin Powell said, Leadership is solving problems. The day soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day you've stopped leading. They have either lost confidence in you that you can't help or concluded that you do not care. Either case is a failure of leadership. So on those days when it's constant, there's constantly somebody at my door, my email, my phone, problems, problems, problems. When am I going to get done what I'm supposed to do today? But that's what you're there for. And if they're not at your door, whose door are they at? The pastor's door, the assistant pastor's door. And so if I can help offload someone, the, one of the leadership teams so they can be merit doing, I don't want to do the marriage counseling. I'd rather answer the question about the print job. <laughs> you know, let them do the marriage counseling. Um, if I can offload in that way and it rearranges my day, that's okay. I've accepted that. Okay. So let's talk about some principles Um, in managing the church office. Number one, loving involvement. Loving involvement. You've heard it said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Romans 12.10, be kindly affection to one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. I tell our, our secretaries here all the time, what makes your office Christian? Is it the chairs or the desk or the scripture on the wall? No, it's you. You make your office Christian. Is it Christian? Do you act that way in your office? What a privilege it is to work in a Christian office. If you have worked in the world, which I'm sure many of you have, sometimes we lose sight of what a blessing it is to work with godly people every day. And we need to love one another um, and uh, give give each other the benefit of the doubt. I said that to our secretaries last Tuesday. We We have a meeting every Tuesday, and I said, in the next 10 days, you need to give each other the benefit of the doubt. 
we're tired, we, we're, we're busy, we've got a lot to do, things coming our way. Um, give each other the benefit of the doubt. And we really need to do that 52 weeks out of the year, not just when we're hosting a conference. Um, how, do you, how do you express loving involvement? What does loving involvement mean? It means be interested. Okay? Um, listen. I read, I can't remember the statistic now, but I think something like 85% of people think they're good listeners, but only 20% really are. <laughs> now, we all think we're good listeners, uh, but are you a good listener? Do you, have to, do you have to ask people to repeat themselves a lot because you're not tuned in? The best way to listen to people is to look them in the eye when they're talking to you. Um, listen um, to people. Um, communicate that you care. Show genuine interest in their lives. Not just their work, but in their lives. Um, write personal notes. People desire a personal touch. Not just an email, not just a voicemail. A handwritten personal note in their box means so much to somebody who's having a bad day or someone who's going through a trial or someone who's got a lot on her plate right now. Um, Jude one twenty two, our theme verse, and some have compassion making a difference. Compassion makes a difference. Um, be intentionally connected to the people you lead. Um, there's a, a long, a well-known phrase, manage by walking around. Don't be stuck in your office all the time or your cubicle or whatever, walk around, uh, see what people are doing, ask them questions. We're going to talk about asking questions in a minute, but um, uh, it doesn't mean you're sitting and visiting at people's desks all day long. We know there's too much, usually too much work to do for that, um, but uh, express interest, let them know you're interested in, your li- in what they're doing. Find out who they are, what are their goals, what are their dreams, um, help them to reach their potential. Um, Connect with people and give them an opportunity to connect with you. I think one of the struggles here when people come here is, is they see us, it's big and we have all this stuff and we have all these programs and all of that, but they forget um, we had 12 people when Pastor Chapel came. The phone rang at Mrs. Chapel's house for months before they had a volunteer who came in, not a paid staff member, but a volunteer who answered the phones in the building. Um, she was the Sunday school teacher, the nursery worker, the church typist, the everything for a long time. And sometimes um, we've, we've, I sometimes I forget what it was like the first few years I worked here and the struggles and I don't know what to do and I don't know how to do this and I don't know how, how would pastor want this and I have to work to impart that. Um, and I had young, ch- my kids are teenagers now. Um, I have three teenagers this year. Um, but they used to be little, and I was having babies when I first started here, and they were in diapers, and they had chicken pox, and all those things, you know, um, in, in the early days. And I forget, we have young moms and first-time moms, and I try to help them know how I worked through those situations. Some, and, and they need that from you, too. They don't just need be on time. But they need, um, try Balmex, it worked for my kids, or whatever. They need that. Your young staff need that um, from you. Loving involvement. Okay, number two, consistent information. Consistent information. Those you influence are looking for your help, your direction, your affirmation, your training, your mentoring. They want to know everything you know. (laughs) And sometimes you you don't even know what you know because you've known it for so long. And somehow you have to get it out so they can hear it and understand it and watch it. 
And honestly, that's been one of my biggest struggles when I moved more into a mentoring role on our staff is, how did I learn this? If I don't even know how I learned it, how am I going to get it out and get it to somebody else? You know? Um, but we need to seek, you need to seek to impart what you've learned from your pastor to the newer and younger staff. Um, I said to Brother Schmidt one time, I don't know, people ask me, how do you know that's what how pastor would want it done? I'm like, I just know. It's like a gut feeling. <laughs> and I said, that's not a very godly statement. <laughs> he said, but it's a well-trained gut. Go with it. <laughs> you know, and it's true. If you've been around your pastor a long time, if you may have some of you are married to him, you know what he wants. And, and you need to teach your younger staff how he wants it done and, and then make sure she does it. Because you do know. You just have to go with it. Sometimes we're not confident in our own ability to go with it. Okay? Um, you, but you can. You really can. Um, consistent information. What I mean here is um, put things in print. We've done a lot of this in the last few years. We have um, procedures. How to do a mail merge. You know, how to put together a, a booklet. Uh, how to do a letter. I have step-by-step procedures. Update the mailing list. Make sure you have enough letterhead. Make sure you put in a purchase order for the postage. Uh, make sure you, we fold, how do we fold letters? Do you fold them in? Do you fold them out? Do you use a window envelope? Do you not use a window envelope? What font do you use? How, what the margins are? Uh, what size the font is? We want to be consistent in that, but everybody has their own way of doing it unless you put it in print. Put it in print. Pick it. Doesn't, it could be Times New Roman. It could be Stone Serif. It could be 10 point, 12 point. Just pick it. Go with it. Put it in print and then, incur- and then ask everybody to use it. We did a few years ago when we started doing more publishing. We put together a list of common terms that we use around here. It's child care, one word or two. Everybody that you ask, everybody grammarian that you ask will have a different answer. We said, okay, we're going to make it one word. Period. You can say it's two, but for us it's one. <laughs> and, we're, and we put it all in print, multi-purpose room, that's another one. Is it hyphenated? Is it not hyphenated? Is P capitalized or not? It doesn't matter as long as you pick it and be consistent. That's the key. But we had to put it, we had to pick it, and then we had to put it in writing. Roundup Sunday. We have Roundup Sunday every year. Is it hyphenated, capital U? You know, I could go on. And you have them in your church, too. Um, open house, big day, whatever you call it, you know, how are you, just pick it. Our new one lately is, is um, possessives. Okay, ladies retreat. Is it possessive or is it plural or is it both? You know, we, and so we're just going to pick it, put it in writing, go with it. And that'll help your staff. It's on the, I, I print it, it's on my little pegboard, and if I come up with a question, I look at it and there it is. Okay, we're not doing that. And, and, we, and we give it to our proofreaders and we encourage them in that way. Um, so take what you know, put it into step-by-step instructions so you can teach someone else how you do it. Sometimes you don't even know how you do it because you've done it for so long. Mm-hmm. The best way to do that is go on vacation. You ever try to write out what you do so you can go on vacation? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good way to get in right, start getting in writing what you do. Um, and let me say this, teach skills, not just steps to get something done. You don't want to create robots in your office. Click here, click here, click here, click here. And if anything happens, that's all she knows how to do. But if you teach her the concept of a mail merge, you have a format, you have a, a mailing list, and it merges them together, and the, for, the, you know, if you teach her the concept, then she can solve her own problems. 
if all you've taught her is a procedure, step, 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 and anything that's not on there happens, she doesn't know what to do. If you, yeah, but if you teach her how to, and I, I say this to, to new staff all the time, no question is a dumb question. And sometimes new staff are embarrassed. They, they think that they should know something or they've forgotten something that you told them. You don't expect them to remember everything you taught them on their first day. She's not going to remember everything you taught her on her first day. But um, no question is a dumb question because I promise you somebody else in this room knows how to solve it. But at the same time, we want to encourage them to learn how to fix things herself. Because if, if you're stuck and you figure it out, you'll never forget it. But if someone just comes and goes, oh, click, 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 click here, you haven't learned anything. So there's a balance there. But um, teach them the skills they need to get the job done, not just be, to be a robot. Now let me say something to you here. And then this is a, how many of you are school teachers? Some of you are school teachers. Repetition is the key to learning. Doesn't matter if they're five or they're 45 or 35, okay? Sometimes I feel like I say the same things over and over and over again. But we need to hear them. We need to hear, don't forget to turn off the lights the electric bills do. Don't forget to um, archive your, uh, your email. Don't forget or whatever. You know, there's a hundred things that I say over and over and over again, but we need to hear it. And, don't, and don't, don't get frustrated when you have to repeat yourself. Put yourself back in the shoes of when you were a young staff member. And you needed that, and we need it too. Um, take time to answer questions. A lot of times, um, you have an open-door policy. People can come ask you questions and then do your best to answer them. Uh, Ben Franklin said, tell me and I'll forget. This is a great statement. Tell me and I'll forget. Show me and I will remember. Involve me and I will understand. Um, It's a a great uh, concept. Now, consistent information. We need to model what we want our staff to do. Uh, Mrs. Chapel, I was just talking to Mrs. Bryson about that. Mrs. Chapel is a wonderful example for our staff ladies. She works tirelessly. She works. Uh, she produces excellent products, excellent ladies' activities, excellent ladies' Bible study. She's a tremendous example. She models for us godly Christian life and an excellent um, ministry. And same thing in in our office. We need to model what we want people to do. Model consistency in ownership. This is one uh, term I encourage you to teach your staff. Ownership. Who owns this project? You know, a project with no owner will not get done. Someone has to own it. It's mine. Mrs. Schoenberg's in here. She's our college registrar. And I love to hear her talk about her students. Someone applies to this college, they're hers. And she'll call them hers. They're mine. You can't have them, they're mine. (laughs) And I love that because she owns it. She owns them from the minute they express interest and fill out an application until they show up on campus and then she wants to meet their mom. And it's ownership. Are are the tasks in your office clearly, are the the ownership lines clear? Um, It happens now and then. We'll say, who, something shows up on the calendar, in three weeks, who's in charge of it? (laughs) <laughs> that needs an owner. And we'll come up with, you know, something dropped somewhere. It happens now and then. But model ownership. If you own your tasks and your staff sees you owning them, they'll learn how to own them too. Um, model consistency in ownership. Model consistency in quality of work. 
I, a, a good statement I, is autograph your work with excellence. If your name is on a product, a project, or um, something going on in your office, you should autograph it with excellence. If your name is attached to something, your staff should know it's going to be done right, it's going to be done on time, it's going to be done well, and they're going to watch you and learn from it. They're watching you whether you like it or not, remember? Um, model the behavior that you want and the excellence that you want. Be, a good, good, be consistent in, your, um, in integrity. If they see you cheating, you're affecting your influence. Okay, whatever that be, whether it be on the time clock, if you're late coming in, if you're leaving early. Now, um, schedule it, particularly with the pastor and the, st and the pastoral staff. You know, it's not my role to, to um, compare my schedule with theirs. They could have been at the hospital till 3 in the morning and I didn't do it, so if they don't show up till 8.15, who am I to say, you know. Um, but if your staff are expected to be there at 8, she should be there at 8 unless she calls you and tells you why she's not. And you should, you should model it and you should expect it from your staff, okay? Um, and you should, if you want your staff to be accountable where they, where they are, what they're doing, then you should also model accountability. So provide to your staff consistent information as you um, over, give oversight to them in the office. So loving involvement, consistent information. Number three, thoughtful inquiries. And this is, it's probably not unique, but this, this is very much my management style. I am a question asker. I ask questions dozens of times every day. I ask questions. And that's um, my way of saying, hey, did you forget something? You know, not, did you? <laughs> it's my way, um, and, and it's, it's very easy to ask a question instead of sending a reminder. Hey, did you um, put those brochures out like you were supposed to? Oh, no, I forgot, and it's done. And it wasn't, I didn't reprimand them. I didn't um, question them. I mean, I didn't cause them to feel like they were in trouble. Just say, hey, I saw in my notes that you were supposed to do X, Y, Z today. Did you do it? And so often, it's, just, it's a good way to um, find out, one, if it's done and, and make sure things are happening, but also to prod and encourage in, in a very um, non-offensive way. Um, I and ask questions, ask specific questions, and keep asking. In the early years, I still oversee the church bulletin, but I don't physically do it anymore like I did for many, many years. And... If you do, how many of you do help with the church bulletin? Okay. You can't put something in the bulletin if you don't know the details. So you got to go to somebody and say, I need to put, I need to put the open house in the bulletin. What is it? What's the theme? Or um, what are, we, are we having a meal? Or, and if I'm going to advertise that three or four weeks out, that means the team leader over that has to know those details three or four weeks out. And a lot of times, in the early days, we're, not, we're much better with this than we used to be. They used to go, oh, I don't know, I haven't started on that yet. And then all of a sudden, they start working on it, and then here comes the stuff I need for the bulletin. But, but, but just by going and saying, hey, I, what are the details that I need for your event to go in the bulletin, it got them started. And uh, a lot of times, those questions um, kind of push. Do, do you know what I'm trying to say? Um, and I don't ask, don't ask questions to 
make, make people feel guilty, to make them feel like they're, they're not doing a good job. I always, give, I always believe the best out of people. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. I always know um, if something di- didn't get done, there's a reason. There's always a reason somebody's having a bad day. Did you know that? Um, they could have gotten a phone call that morning that they didn't tell you about that brought bad news. They could have a health issue. They could have a family issue. They could have a financial issue. And, and we te- sometimes we tend to just run all over people because um, we got stuff to do and we forgot the loving involvement part. Um, thoughtful inquiries. A lot of times when I ask questions, you get that look on their face. And you, it's just like being a mom. You can just see it. It's all over their face. There's a problem. Okay. And um, that's when it's time to sit down and say what's going on ask what are you stuck on and so often particularly with our young staff they are totally confused with what they're supposed to be doing or um, uh, you've heard the term you know you can't see the forest for the trees she's in this middle of this task and she just can't see out of it but if you come alongside and, and have more of an objective big big picture view it, it just may it's very obvious to you what she should be doing but she just doesn't see it and she just needs, and sometimes, I've done this too, this happens to me all the time, I, don't, I can't figure something out, and if I just go to somebody, I'll go to Mrs. Wells, or I'll go to somebody, I'll go, and as soon as it comes out of my mouth, just to express it, the answer's right there. You know, just to say it, sometimes the answer's right there. And sometimes that's what your staff needs. They just need to be able to express what the problem is, and one, they feel better, and two, they know somebody's sharing their pain, but then the answer so often is just right there. But have a meeting, try to get some feedback from your questions. And, you'll, and that's our next point. But from that feedback, you'll identify problems. Okay? Um, and a lot of times in asking questions, you'll find um, the to-do list is way longer than anything that anybody can do in any one given day. And that's true on your desk, I'm sure, too. And they just need some help. We just need some help identifying what are the most important things for me to get done. And they've, a lot of times our staff has bitten off more than they can chew in one time. And we do this at home, too. I do this at home. You do it at home. do it with your kids. I'm going to clean the whole house today. But there's no plan. You know, I'm going to, okay, but you break it down into manageable pieces. Give yourself a goal for each piece and then have at it. All of a sudden, you're making progress. And sometimes the, our staff, with the projects at work, we get into the same mode of it's totally overwhelming, I don't even know where to start. And t- encourage your staff to break it down into small pieces and then start on one. And all of a sudden, progress gets the ball rolling. Sometimes we just, the hardest thing sometimes is just to do one thing, to start. And then once you start, it's not so bad. We're afraid of this big mountain, but once we actually start up it, we realize it's really just a hill. And sometimes they just need that encouragement. Um, and in, uh, in answering, asking questions, too, I find lots of times our staff doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And what I mean by that, they're not doing things wrong, but they're doing things that somebody else could do. And this is a key in smaller, younger churches. Okay? I heard pastors say many, many times in the early years of our ministry, don't let me catch you doing something that a volunteer could do. You shouldn't, if, if you're bogged down folding letters, get somebody in. There's a lady in your church who would love to fold those letters. You just have to ask her. She would just love it. 
Um, but sometimes, uh, and I've done this with our staff, I'll say, write down everything that you do that a volunteer could do. Now, obviously, they can't do personal letters, and there's, there's confidentiality and finance. No, there's obviously things that you have to do in your job description. But there's lots of things that you don't have to do. And then I'll take those things. I, I did this one summer. We were a little bit short on some staff one summer, and I had all the girls write out what a volunteer could do. And lo and behold, there was enough for one volunteer every day. Bring them in. They can make phone calls, they can fold letters, they can make copies, they can stuff bulletins. There's lots of things, and uh, your ladies would love to help and come do that. Teenagers in the summer, there's a lot a teenager can do in the summer. She's bored at home, she's under her mom's feet at home, or maybe she's by herself. There are things that your teenagers can come in and do in the summer. Uh, thought, and all of that can come out of asking questions. You know, a lot of times I find two staff, um, young staff, they think they have to do it all themselves and that they, they are not productive and efficient and they're not a good secretary if they can't do it all. And so they don't tell anybody that they have too much to do. And it's through asking questions that you find that there's really more on her plate than is possible to do, even if she was the most efficient secretary in town. Um, okay, number four. Um, asking questions leads to identifying problems. Okay. Um, as you observe and ask questions, you will identify problems. And I'm going to use a term, I taught a whole session on this a couple years ago, but um, the word triage is, there's a book, and it, you, this is a very easy read, and some of you might want to read it. It's called The On-Time, On-Target Manager by Ken Blanchard. It's a very small book, and it's basically a story about a guy who was failing at work, and they brought him along and taught him these lessons. And one of the lessons is triage every situation. And what I mean by that is a lot of times it's not as bad as you heard, first of all. It's not as urgent as you heard. Um, but sometimes it is. Uh, but each problem needs to be triaged and, and to determine the severity of it and how to solve it. Um, evaluate it, develop a plan, execute. Sometimes when we're stuck on a problem, we just need somebody to come alongside and say, hey, you can do this. We can figure this out together. Um, sometimes people um, just can't see a way out, and they just need someone to help them see the way out. Uh, pay attention. Now, when it comes to avoiding problems or identifying problems and issues, sometimes you're going to ask questions or you're going to try to ask questions and you're going to find out that people are avoiding you. That is a red flag when people start avoiding you. Either they're discouraged or they 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 feel like they've done something wrong and they don't know how to admit it, or, or there's, there's a multitude of things that it could be. But in your role, whether you want this role or not, or you like this role or not, part of your role is to not let things like that um, continue. And we're, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But pay attention when people start avoiding you. It's all over their face. A lot of times your countenance gives you away every time. Um, most often, though, when you start identifying problems, um, staff just need help with balancing their roles. They need somebody to say, okay, it's okay if you don't do, the, don't do these five things today, do these five instead. Or your daughter has a dentist appointment, go take her to the dentist and then come back and do these five things. It's, that's some of the, we have a lot of staff now who don't have children right now. They're newly married or, you know, or their children are older. And so we don't, but we used to have a lot of that. Um, the struggle of a mom 
do I stay home with the sick kid today? Do I send the sick kid to a babysitter? You know, what do I do with the kids in the summer? And a lot of your staff need help balancing those kinds of things. Um, and, I, and they need help with solutions. You know, this comes, um, the copier's broken. Okay, what do I do? You know, um, they just need some ideas a lot of times once, once you start identifying problems. We've got to be done here. Number five, interrupt with discernment. And this is, to me, the hardest part of being, you know, I love teamwork and being involved with people's lives and encouraging them and having a can-do can attitude and solving problems and having victories. But sometimes you have to deal with, deal with issues and problems. Um, be, and the term is probably not even a word, but be interruptive if you have to be, okay? Um, make changes if you have to, but be proactive. Don't let things fester. Jump in the middle and get involved if you have to. Um, if you don't jump in the middle and get involved, then someone else, uh, the pastor's going to have to or, or something like that. Um, tell your staff what they need to hear, not what is easy to hear. But, of course, we want to do it all with love. First Peter 3.8, finally, um, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Um, but if you have to, there's, there's a disagreement. I always want to get them, all, get them both together, get both sides together, and, and hear both sides of the story. There's always another side of the story. That's one of the things I learned the hard way, mostly, uh, when I was a younger staff. There's always another side of the story. Okay? And be sure that you hear it and listen to it before you jump in and um, make it worse sometimes. Um, be prepared to have difficult conversations, but don't wait to have them. Um, and there, there, there's a whole range of things here. It's everything from someone who won't come to work on time to someone who visits too much with the other staff to someone who um, doesn't do things right consistently and you have to interrupt and, and get into all of that um, to she doesn't dress right to, I mean, there's a, hun there's, there's a whole spectrum of things. But let me say this. A brother, um, brother Willette said this, and this is a tremendous statement. Your standards are not what you say, but what you allow. Your standards are not what you say, but what you allow. And it's the same thing in your office. If you allow things to go out with typos instead of redoing them, you've lowered your standard. If you allow um, someone to turn the switchboard off at five minutes to five every day instead of five, or you allow your staff consistently to come in at 8.10, instead of eight, you've, you're, you're lowering your standard. Your standard is not what you say, but what you allow. And it's the same thing with your staff. And, and when it comes to being interruptive, when it comes to dealing with problems, you won't have time or find time. You have to make time. There's never time on your schedule to deal with problems. You're just going to have to make the time. And, you'll, and, of course, you'll be glad you did. Now, when it comes to um, dealing with problems, um, I don't know, this came across my desk the other day, a little saying about using a spoonful of sugar. You know, you've all heard, uh, what's your name saying, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. It's the same thing when you're dealing with people. No one wants to be yelled at or slammed or come down hard on somebody. Um, be sure that you have the right heart and the right attitude. Do you pray before you have to sit somebody down? 
and and be and a soft answer turneth away wrath. You know, be have a kind word. Use the sandwich method. I don't know if you've heard of that. Say something good, make your correction, and then say say something else good. And make sure it's true. Don't just be um, flattery. But you know, I like the way you started this project, but you didn't finish it on time. Let's do better next time. You know, something positive. Make the correction that you need to make, and then finish with something positive again. Just like with your ch- with your children. And when you are dealing with issues, and they they come up. Um, be sure that you're loyal to the pastor and to each other, to your other staff. Don't put your, let yourself be in a situation where you're running down somebody else or you're, well, I don't know why this is the rule, but, or I don't know why we have to do it this way. That's disloyal, okay? You be sure that you uphold your pastor and, and don't be running down other people while you're dealing with issues. And don't let your staff run down each other either. Um, handle what you can before you hand it off to a leader. You know, I always try to deal with the little things that I can as much as possible. But if there's a family issue, a spiritual issue, um, a marital issue, um, you know, go ahead and, and make sure that your leader, your pastor, your assistant pastor knows and, and can help where necessary. Okay, and then last, invest in lives. Um, Your, your, they, your staff needs what you can give them, and they need to learn from it, and they need to grow. And you need to, um, Pastor says this all the time. You know, people tell him all the time he does too much, he works too hard. And he said, I am just going to expend myself for the Lord, and whatever happens, happens. You know, he's not um, holding back so that he lasts another whatever years. He's going to give it all and give it all today. And I want to be that kind of staff member who invests and, and gives it all while I, I don't know how long I'm going to, um, you know, something may happen to me just like you. Um, but invest while you can and don't hold back. Have a positive attitude. There's always a way to say something that's positive. Um, if you think about it, sometimes it just starts at our feet and comes out of our mouth when it shouldn't. Um, but see golden people. I, I marvel when I look back at being here for, for 23 years. Um, I see pictures, you know, pastor with hair or me when I was pregnant. You know, see all these pictures. And I think back to some of the, some of the stupid things I said and did way back when. But pastor saw in me something that he saw me way ahead of where I, I was or where I even dreamed or where I even saw myself. Not that I've arrived and not that I'm so great, but he saw it before I ever could even fathom it. And we need to be that way with our, with our staff. You know, we have a, we have a secretary here. I, I won't give any idea who she is, but she's been here quite some time. And I remember when she first started shaking my head. She's never going to make it. She's never going to make it. She just doesn't get it. She's never going to make it. And I'm telling you what, she is one of the top we have now. She just she's took her a little bit longer to develop, and she just needed a little bit more love and care and training, and and just and now she's just she's amazing. And there's somebody on your staff like that. Don't give up on her. Um, keep encouraging her. Keep investing in her. And then the other side of investing, and this your ministry may not be there like this, but it will be. I'll never forget the first time one of our somebody left and went somewhere else. Like, I just had her trained, and now she's gone. <laughs> you know, i got to start all over again. I don't want to start all over again. You know, but it's, all, it's what we're about here, you know, is, is training and sending them off to go do it somewhere else. 
but that doesn't mean I don't invest. Start all over again. I'm better at it this time than I was last time because I learned from all my mistakes on teaching her. Um, but don't be afraid to invest. Don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to, to impart everything you know to somebody um, because she needs it. She may leave. God's gonna, but you know what? The other thing, I've, we've, had, we've had our share of painful trap, staff transitions. We've had our, oh, I can't believe that person's leaving. We'll never make it. I've thought that. But you know what? God has never, ever failed to bring somebody better than I could have imagined. What's the God's promise is that he'll take care of his church. Okay? God's going to take care of you and your staff and your church. The person is there to help you. And God's going to bring him or her along to help you. Um, and, but don't, be afraid, don't pull back. Don't be afraid to invest. Um, see golden people. Catch them doing something right. You know, same thing with your kids. Our staff needs encouragement. Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Encourage your staff. Write them notes. Thank them. Um, give them time off if you can. If that's in your power to do it, give it to them. Um, Involve, when you have new people, set it up, if you can, where she is near you, okay, so she can hear you on the phone. The best way to teach your staff what to say on the phone is she just sits there and listens to you. Um, Or if you're doing a project, have her in your back pocket. I mean, you probably don't have a back pocket, but um, have her right there beside you, following you all the way, and let her watch you and learn and show her how to do it. Um, show her that you're, you do your work with excellence and that you're lifting the leader's load and you're willing to do what others won't do, um, that you're doing more than is expected. And she'll follow that example and do the same thing if you do um, when you manage people in your office. And then the last thing I want to say, First Thessalonians 5.14, be patient toward all men. Um, be patient um, as your staff grows and as you lead them and as you face problems and as, if, as you... Um, need to make changes. Um, pastor uses the example all the time. Um, I don't know if, how many of you have met Miss Melanie Anderson. She was our first paid staff member. She was our first church secretary, and she did everything. Every single thing that our secretaries do now, she used to do. At some, in some way, shape, or form, she did it all. And then slowly, as the staff grew, she had to give away things. That's hard. <coughs> give, to give, especially if they don't do it the way you did it, or the way you think it should be done. It's hard to to grow and to give and to divide and to multiply. Um, but um, and we need to be patient as we do that, um, as we multiply and grow with each other. And then I want to encourage you as you leave, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And God's going to bless you as you work in the office and help your staff and manage the workflow. Um, uh, And the key, of course, to all of this is prayer. It's another thing that sets off our offices. Not only are we Christian, but we have such a tool to pray. And uh, pray for your staff. Pray for the ladies that you work with. Pray as you make decisions. Pray for wisdom and discernment, and um, God will give it to you you've been listening to the ministry 127 podcast today we learned about principles for effective workplace management with mrs lisa stoner office manager of lancaster baptist church this podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church 
Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.